What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Finance for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wren. Join me as we dig into what it looks like for physicians to begin using their finances as a tool to live better lives. You can learn more about our resources at financeforphysicians.co. Let's jump into today's episode. Today, I'm talking with Jeff Winger again about using money and time to live happier lives. In our last conversation, we talked about how to better align your money and time management with your values, which we'll link to in the show notes. Today, we're going to be getting into what the science says about using money and time to attain happiness. Jeff, what's up, man? Thanks for joining me today. Hey, it's nice to see you again, Daniel. Yeah, definitely. As always. So we're talking we're talking about money and happiness. And so, you know, living a happier life, everybody's, I'm sure everybody's interested in, in, in kind of hearing about what that looks like. But what we're going to talk about today is a little bit more from a scientific perspective and kind of what does that uh, scientific research say. So there's actually been quite a bit of studies around that, like what is what translates to happiness. And so to kind of pull that whole scientific world together, I, I looked at some of the work from Dr. Lori Santos. She's a professor at Yale and teaches a course on, it's called actually Psychology and the Good Life. And it's actually the most uh, popular course at Yale in Yale history. It's hugely popular. She's also has a podcast called The Happiness Lab and has a free course online called The Science of Wellbeing. But basically, she helps kind of boil down all the research around finances and I'm sorry, around living a happy life and kind of what that looks like. And so today, Jeff and I are going to be talking about some of those baseline scientific um, lessons that she teaches and how that might start to apply to your finances. You ready to get into that, Jeff? Oh, I love living the happy life, Daniel. Yeah. Jeff is my on-call happy, happy guy. So he's He's ready to rock. Jeff has Jeff has got this stuff down. So the first lesson. So when when you look at Dr. Santos' research, the first lesson she talks about is that our minds are really bad at predicting happiness. Jeff, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that's sometimes true, always true? What I think it's usually true because I I think when we think about the things that we like, if there was something that you could have today that you thought would make you happy, you're going to think about something that is, is tangible usually like mm-hmm. something you can actually see or um, feel a lot of times things like a car, a home, even things that maybe you don't actually own, but like a vacation is something you can still see and feel right. But they're still just, just tangible things rather than some of the, the higher value items in our life that bring us real happiness. Yeah. I think that's good. Intangible versus tangible things. I think the exercise that, uh, that, uh, Dr. Santos does with her students is she has them write down kind of a list of what they think would bring them the greatest happiness. And so you, that's, you tend to see things like that, that are, you know, more tangible, you know, immediate gratification kind of a things. And, what it also translates to is those sorts of things that require more money. And so that's part of the, we'll kind of circle back to that, but that's, that's one of the lessons she also gets into. So this, but the second big thing that she gets into is, is so our minds are bad at predicting happiness. Second thing is circumstances don't play nearly as big of a role as we tend to think that they do. For whatever reason, humans tend to assume that their circumstances are the biggest driver in their happiness. So, you know, for example, you know, your job, your income, your family life or whatever, 
that people tend to think that's what's going to drive their happiness. So maybe, you know, financially, the example is if I can make more, if I can be in a different job or if I can live in a different city or if I can make that promotion, that's going to drive my happiness. But there's really solid research uh, that that basically shows that's not true. Dr. Lombrowski, I believe it is, has done research on this. And her research says that it's actually, uh, she breaks it down in like percentages behind what actually drives happiness. And it's 50% by genes, 10% by circumstances, and actually 40% by your thoughts, actions, and attitudes. So that's, I think, interesting to me is that it's not nearly, I think the average person would say it's more about their circumstances. And her research says that, no, 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 it's actually, you know, a a really small fraction of of what drives happiness. And it's really more about your thoughts, actions, and attitudes, your genes, you can't control. So the good news about that, I think, is that you have more control over your thoughts, actions, and attitudes, and they don't necessarily cost you money, or it's not about finances near as much if we were to kind of go through some of the examples of what that might look like for people, what what would you kind of come up with Jeff on your end? And, you know, so I think part of that is even with money, I think we've talked about it sometimes in the past of, you know, there is a certain amount of, of security that brings us a little more happiness, but after a point it's, it's absolutely diminishing returns. And so that's kind of those circumstances you talked about where, I mean, that is something and it plays into into happiness somewhat, but it's more of the what can I control that that adds to your happiness more than focusing on what's out of your control. Jeff, do you remember the researchers that um, I think it's Daniel Kahneman as well? Mm-hmm. It is Daniel Kahneman. Yeah, he did. He did great research. I think he had a partner doing it with him, but around income and it, how it translates to happiness. And they concluded that it does have a positive effect on happiness up to 75,000 of income. And at that point it does not. And so that kind of translates well with this research we were referencing that it does circumstances do have a little bit of an effect, you know, not nearly as big of an effect as you might think. So the third lesson that she gets into in her courses is gets into time versus money. And this, this was really interesting to me kind of looking at that is, First of all, the the research says that about half of people value time higher or you know more so than money. And then the other half value money more so than time. But research also shows that those that value time over money report much higher levels of happiness, which is, I think, interesting because that tells you half of people kind of have it wrong. I mean, if that's if that if they're going for happiness, they have it wrong which is a huge number, obviously. That's a, a massive amount of people. It's also difficult in, our, I think, in our country, the, the, the status around money. I think our culture says that more money is always better and more time is not good. And so what do you, what do, you do with that? Like, I think what the research says is we should be focusing on time more than, than money, but like you know, is that, is that, uh, how do you, how do you, how do you take that, Jeff? Yeah. I mean, I guess how true is that what you just said about how our society values time and money and even just the, what's, what's the most common response you hear to like, how's your week been? Or, or, you know, what do you, what are you up to? Busy. Are you busy. Yeah. Right. And 
I, I'm as guilty of that as anyone because mm-hmm. busy means I think it's a proxy for busy means I'm trying to say I'm productive. Right. But usually, I mean, if I've actually been busy, it probably means that I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off and didn't get a whole lot done sometimes. And so it's almost even it's just a proxy for saying I'm been productive. But ideally, we're actually spending that time on something that brings us happiness, right? Like we talked about how you know, sometimes it's those things that we can picture and feel those tangible things that we think brings happiness. But when you really get down to it, those things are even themselves are, are a, a substitute for real happiness. Like maybe when you think of a vacation, like getting to travel, what's the real reason that that brings you happiness? Is it just that you can go see a place? For me, it's, it's probably more that I want to have a goal of spending some good time with my family a shared experience and, and things like that. And things that really bring happiness are not necessarily what money buys, right? It's, it's the time spent. Yeah. The most interesting study, I think to me of all of this was about how one of the best like return of your money things to do is to buy things that save you time. And I think that is, it's not natural. We tend to not want to do that. But first of all, the research says that that is a better return on your happiness. So just kind of saying, I'm going to spend X dollars to have somebody mow my grass. Does that resonate with you? Do you think that's kind of true? What what can people do with that? You know, absolutely. Uh, I'll give you even just an example from my life recently, uh, and probably from many people uh, across the country during the last six months, I think, is that there's been a spending on home improvement a lot of places. Yeah, it's nuts. For me, I, I started different projects um, years ago around my house that I wanted to, I just wanted to do. I wanted to do, you know, crazy things like reglaze my own windows, which is something that, you know, really old windows. And, but as I started to look at, I've had the, the advantage of kind of figuring out a few of the big priorities in my life recently, you know, for context, I have three kids, all of them are four years old or younger. So if I'm going to spend time doing house projects like that, that is time I really cannot spend with a three-year-old. They don't do well around saws. They don't do well around <laughs> tools in general. Mine do. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, they, but they definitely want to help. So if I'm choosing to work on some of those projects, it takes away from from what my priorities are and what, what are bringing happiness to me. So that's an area where, in this case, I'm going to spend the money, and I did spend money on, on some home improvement projects mm-hmm. because – I consciously wanted to spend more of my other time on different things that were bringing me happiness. Yeah. Now, five years that might change where I love to learn new projects and learn new skills. And I could combine those and do that with my kids. Possibly. I think though, a lot of people today, especially in our situation, like when you run into them on the street, how you doing? I'm, I'm busy. <laughs> you know, I got and they, if you ask them, they don't have really much spare time. And so that situation, you, they could probably stand to buy a little time. So that's kind of where I wanted to finish out the conversation. So, you know, our minds are bad at predicting happiness. Circumstances don't, don't play nearly as big of a role as we think. Research says time valuing it. It has a much better bang for your buck on your happiness, you know, valuing time over money. So if, if you're, kind of want to dig into more of the research behind that or the concepts there, definitely check out 
the research we'll include in the show notes. Um, there's a ton of it and you can, you can dig in. But where I wanted to kind of close out is what's the reality of this? Like, how do we apply this to our lives? The reality is, is that you've got to determine what it is, number one, that's important to you and brings you happiness and then decide if, if you're going to prioritize that over, over other options. So, you know, I personally, you know, I hate delegating things and I feel like if that idea of paying somebody to do my lawn, it feels like I am giving up something there. But when I look at that and I break it down, if I can delegate that and gain back some time that really brings me happiness, that's, that's a trade off I should explore. And even with finances, it, it's very similar. Um, you know, I guess this is self-serving, but in, in my history, I always thought that people should never hire a financial planner, right? Um, there's a, a popular course out there that says fire financial planner. And, you know, that was my, my thought is that you should never do this, pay somebody to do this. And then at the same time, I, I experienced with my own dad that he would have very much had value of having a plan and offloading some of these tasks, even just to have somebody in his corner to help him align his time and his values. Yeah. I think the overlooked part that a lot of people just don't think about is the time savings. I mean, it's one thing if you have a lot of spare time, but I just don't see that a lot. And so if you don't have spare time, then you got to think about, okay, what am I saying no to, or what am I, what's my alternative here? And going back to what's most important, is it, is it an alignment? Yeah, it's tough because uh, we take a, a limited resource like our time and compare it to one that's really technically unlimited like money. I mean, mm-hmm. is it always unlimited? No. And we compare the two and, and oftentimes time comes out the loser. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Jeff, as we wrap up? No, just uh, make time for happiness. Hmm. All right. Well, I appreciate it, buddy. As always, thank you so much for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please give us a review on iTunes and share with a friend. Also check out our website at financeforphysicians.co for all sorts of additional content. See you next time. Finance for Physicians is not an investment, tax, legal, or financial advisor. All content included in this podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered financial tax or legal advice. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by Finance for Physicians as to another party's informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation. If you don't have an advisor or would like a second opinion, feel free to check out our website for recommended advisors. Thank you.